Welcome, Mistorians. Host Austin Heave-She and host Brenda She-Her have been waiting for you. Come along for Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. everyone welcome to episode 51 of secret histories of nerd mysteries this is the second part of our three-part console war special and also we have an update on chuck e cheese <laughs> we we do we can't escape that pizza at the chuck e cheese <laughs> summer concert tour has started and brenda and i were overcome with the spirit of chuck e cheese himself the original pizza rat to find <laughs> footage, and we did. I spent my whole morning to track down footage, and I found some. Um, it is, it's the, as the uh, CEC community calls it, the walkarounds. <laughs> I, I learned this morning they call them in the mascot suit the walkarounds. Walkaround characters. I knew that because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've done two videos on Chuck E. Cheese now. So, yeah. So it's not the puppets, as I predicted. Yeah, because, like, this morning, this is about a half hour ago, or maybe an hour. It it wasn't long ago. And I was just like, I can't find any footage of the concert. And you were mm -hmm. just like, Brenda, I've got it. <laughs> Don't I, worry. I have to find it. So we now have footage of the concert. And, yeah, it's the it's the walk-around characters. In Disney terms, you would also call them the, the fur characters. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, it, in Disney, like, you can either be a face character or a fur character. So, like, oh, the face right. character. Yeah, the face characters are, like, the princesses or, like, Aladdin or some shit. You know, where you don't have to wear a big suit. <laughs> yeah, and then, you like, get to be a human. You just get to be out there in the Florida heat in your normal skin. And <laughs> <laughs> and then there are people condemned to hell. <laughs> condemned to hell in their, um, <laughs> like, Mickey Mouse sweatsuit. <laughs> it, what really kills me is when they'll have them, like, out... And, like, the suit is in summer attire. Like, the suit's in, like, shorts. And I'm like, that's yeah. not. That's, that's. If I walked in and they're like, this is the suit for today. And it was, like, in cool, breezy shorts. I'm like, is this a, are you fucking, are you, are This yeah. is a mockery of the human even trapped within the confines of this creature. Mickey Mouse is in, like, booty shorts. And you just know there's a poor human being inside sweating Dying. to death. Isn't it? So. I know a little bit about the Disney hierarchy. Isn't it like a lot of people get their foot in the door by being one of the furs to try and become a, a face? Yeah, you've got to do fur before you can do face. This is asinine. <laughs> <laughs> we almost made to... it. We almost... <laughs> it's like you have to earn. You have to <laughs> earn people seeing your normal human. You have to prove that even inside the confines of a sweat pool of your own design, that you can portray the essence of a mouse man. <laughs> the goal is to be a lad and have the pecs out. Just like titties out, 
cool, easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. I think they make Aladdin wear a like a shirt. In the he park. does. He does wear a shirt. Let me look this up. I gotta. Look I'm pretty this up. sure he wears it because like him and Jasmine used to wear closer to the movie, and then parents yes. complained because it was like <laughs> real humans and like pecks out, titties out. <laughs> and people bring like their twelve or thirteen year olds, and they're like, "Hey, so my kid is trying to rub a Latin chest, and we I can't really have that." It's like we need to just cover up a little bit more. Yeah, like I'm looking at like they have like Aladdin and Jasmine out in like their their fancy attire, but like yes. Jasmine's dressed like up to her neck. Yeah. Even like before though, like when Jasmine still had like her movie costume, like Aladdin still had a shirt on. That's I'm fair. Looking at- I'm looking at pictures, like, they were just like, yeah, he just has a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> just get, get it from the gift shop. Yeah. It looks, looks kind of cheap and bad. Like, Jasmine's is, like, really ornate and fancy, and Aladdin mm. is, like, in white pants. <laughs> with, like, a what is supposed to be a patch, but just looks like it was, like, glued on. Incredible. And, well, how'd we get here? Um, <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese summer concert tour. Yeah, there's very exuberant comments about the Chuck E. Cheese summer tour. One was like a um, condemnation of Munch's DJ booth and how it's just a white box, which I heartily agree with. Also, Munch is a DJ now. Uh, Yeah, Munch Munch is a DJ now, which is kind of weird. I mean, he played the keyboard. Right. I was like, I don't, I'm pretty sure last time I checked and Munch was still like in the band and now he's like the band's, also it's not like the band, it's Chuck E., and Mu- it's like Chucky Munch and the Bird. Yeah. Um. Where <laughs> Chucky Munch and the Bird? Like, um. What happened to Pasquale? Is he too busy running his ghost right. kitchen? And I think like, there's like a human handler because like usually when people are in, the, in in those suits, like there's a human handler that they try and make look like they're like part of the whole shebang to make sure the person inside doesn't you know die because vis- yeah. visibility is like zero zero percent and you're dancing around on a stage that you can very easily fall off of if you're not careful and so. it looks like it looks like the human handler is like meant to be the dog they have like dog ears on i think oh no <laughs> yeah if you like if you try and freeze frame and zoom in it looks like that's what's happening or at least they're like alluding to that right like they did her hair and makeup to like make you think like that yeah um she never says she is like she she talks just like person uh it's very weird but it's it's just them uh dancing they're not like chucky whoever's inside that suit's not talking it's totally pre-recorded of like the actual Mm -hmm. voice actor for chucky right now yeah Um, they just like recorded everything in advance so it's but it's very just them, bare bones it's them dancing to the songs that bowling for soup recorded for this tour do we have confirmation that bowling for soup recorded these we have confirmation that the lead singer did ah like it's still him so in i, I guess i'm going in theory it's the whole band because they did the they did the tunes with him before but i don't know 100 percent there's a song on this track called um, Disco Disco Dinosaur, Dancing Dinosaur Party. Incredible. Chuck- the f- <laughs> their opening number is about putting on sunscreen to be ready for summer. I mean, that's valid. That's important. Bowling for Soup is a very interesting band because they make, like, <laughs> dad rock, but then they'll also do, like, kid rock. That's like, all right, kids, let's tie our shoes! And they do it with the same enthusiasm. <laughs> I know, and I really love it. It's so good. <laughs> Um, 
Some of these songs feature Jasper and Pasquale, but they are not present in the show. Ooh. I'm on, um, Chuck E. Cheese has a whole, um, <laughs> a whole a Spotify. Yeah, there's a lot of songs. Um, it's, there's a whole album that's just called Songs in the Key of E. Sure. <laughs> okay. I also found oh, some- it's, it's got Together We've Got It. That's a jam. I found some of the- so, because like down, this is also down in Florida, where the world has been pretty lawless during pandemic recently. Yeah, um, absolutely lawless. And there, there is someone that was going down to a Chuck E. Cheese in Florida filming the performances, like at the at mm-hmm. the restaurant, which is really weird. They're running them because it's like empty, and there's this person on their phone, and like you can hear workers in the background, and that's it. Um, but the performances. At the one in Florida, they had, like, video playing of the puppets singing the songs, but also had animatronic Chucky on the stage singing the song. Oh, yeah. D- was it one of those stages that just had one Chuck? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was. Those are, like, the newer ones. So they were just like, um, we're phasing this out. So, like, they have, like, the whole song with, like, all of the puppets for, like, the locations that have no animatronics. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the, the one where I was, they would have, like, where they had the full band, they would still have screens with the puppets on the screen. So it's like, hey, if you don't want to watch these anim- these scary animatronics, here's a screen. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like- mm-hmm. Very weird. Um, we have another update in our news. We do. Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, turns out... Uh, According to, it's the actress who plays Bubbles. 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 Uh, Dove, I think, is her name. Yes. Um, She said that the reason they have to redo the pilot is because CW felt as though it was too campy Mm -hmm. and it needs to be more grounded in reality. (laughs) Yes, it was Dove. Dove Cameron came out with that uh, sometime this week and was also very adamant it wasn't because of the script leak at all. That, it, that had nothing to do with it, and that she is very excited for the reshoots to make it feel more grounded. It definitely had, had uh, to do with the, <laughs> it. definitely had to do with the script. Like, yeah, are you know. kidding me? Like, I don't know if they didn't tell her. They probably didn't, right? Like, I don't... It, I, this might be a newsflash. Some people, they don't tell the talent what's going on, like, ever. Like, at all. No, she's uh, just like, someone, like, sprung this question on her, and she was like, oh! Yeah, she what? she went with like I need to protect the network so I don't get fired. <laughs> yeah, it's, she's just like I need a paycheck, which yeah. is valid. There's there is absolutely no. I've I've heard of stories, and I don't know if this happened for this pop of girl ones, but you've you've both heard of stories where like when did you find out? And they're like I found out when I saw the breaking news. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they no don't, one tells me shit. They don't. They do not tell talent on projects anything. Like maybe the writers knew. From the studio, but the thing is, like, the thing to remember is all of these people working for, all of these people working the show for CW don't work for CW. They are all most likely independent contractors being paid, like, at hire. Pretty much. Um, I think one of the writers on Pop of Girls, like, works for CW, like, has worked on other shows, so, like, they might be an official employee, but that is pretty rare. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So it's like, it's like when you're a con, if you're a contractor and you're gonna go fix someone's plumbing or something, like let's say you're a plumber, if the person, the person can decide the next day, like, 
actually, I'm not going to have you come today. There might be something in your contract about that, about getting paid still, but they can they can kind of just do that and not really let you know ahead of time. Yeah, um, definitely. I didn't realize that murder and revenge porn was campy, but you learned something thought those, new. Thought those were both crimes. I didn't realize that drug addiction was campy. Was campy? <laughs> I don't, nobody knows what campy means. Everyone just, like, says it when they feel like they need to say a word. Yes. Uh, it's so frustrating. Also, Dove Cameron um, apparently has wanted to portray Bubbles for eight years. She shared, like, an old tweet from before she was famous. Oh, my God. I want her to have the chance to be Bubbles. But, God, can someone good. give her a good script? Please, good. <laughs> Please. I think she... She's cute. She's like, she can be bubbly. She can be bubbles. Like, but God. Oh, God. I'm. The script has to be good. It's not her. It's not anyone on the cast's no. fault. They have. I it's... can't stress how little control cast members have over what they have to read. Exactly. I mean, I've. We talked about when I tried out for the wannabes. Yeah, we did. And like, um, just. Like, you get the script and you're like, I'm here, I drove all the way here, and um, I have to s- try to make this sound convincing. Okay. <laughs> you just... That's it. Here I go. And some, pe- <laughs> some people can do it and some people can't. Yeah, some people, I can't. some people get fed lines about sand and have to really sell you on sand, and they do their best, and then they for some really reason, do. they get mocked and they're like, I, I didn't write the sand line. I showed up for work and they're like, yeah, you really hate sand. And you're like, sand? Yeah, like really like like a soliloquy on sand. Sa- it's like sand? Sand. Maybe I would hate um, Watto. Maybe <laughs> him. Maybe that is uh, I'm angry at him for very legitimate reasons. But say, oh, okay, the sand. All right. The sand made my childhood miserable. <laughs> I uh, Are we sure this is the angle we want to go with? George, this, this George is, is like yes, the sand, the sand. You hate sand. I, I, yeah, okay. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Say the line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> space Jam. Welcome to the Space Jam. Space the song Jam. Anymore. <laughs> I mean, the new song is good, but I wish. I wish they could have just like a, just a little bit from the original. Cause I'm sure in the movie they're going to do they some gotta... sort of, like, that's going to be the big reveal is there's like a remix of them or something. Yeah, they just some, like, it doesn't have to be like a whole song, but oh my god, it would be so cool though if they just like, like, drop the CD like the day that the, um, mm-hmm. the movie comes out mm-hmm. and it's just like, space, the song is in this! Oh my, and it's just like a cool surprise. It, I, I, there's no way. Um, new Space Jam trailer. <laughs> the best thing from the trailer, in my opinion, Brenda has a, a different opinion. The best thing in the trailer. You- my, no, no, no. The best thing in the trailer, in my opinion, is we finally saw all of the tunes like in 4K, and they didn't give Elmer Fudd terrible, terrible Elmer Fudd skin. Thank God they didn't, they were like we can't give him realistic human skin because all of the anim all of the animal tunes have like realistic fur or in Daffy's case like textured feathers yeah but the human so Grandma Yosemite Sam and Elmer Fudd like 
just look like high render CGI characters. And I breathed a sigh of relief because I was terrified <laughs> we were going to get skin. <laughs> <laughs> Granny's just got like photorealistic wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god it would have been like so funny if like they like did like the the cgi they went from like the 2d tunes to the cg tunes mm-hmm. and then like initially like <laughs> all the human characters looked absolutely horrific <laughs> and bug was just like okay wait a second we gotta fix this <laughs> like this another, can't stand another thought in my head is like what if they just make them people <laughs> oh my god that was so funny i was like and then my head went how do you, you like grandma okay elmer yeah. fudd even sure sure yosemite sam oh he would just be like sam elliott with, <laughs> with a big <laughs> in my head i'm like yosemite sam I'm like oh my god is it just danny devito oh my do god, they put a mustache on danny on devito <laughs> Sam, what happened God. to your ex? Because <laughs> there's no, there's no way Danny DeVito can do that accent at all. No, there's really absolutely. No. I know his voice map. There's zero. There is zero chance it would sound good. That would be so good. <laughs> Man, we should have written Space Jam too. Am I right? Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, they it look. There's a lot of basketball. And I'm very curious because, like, Space Jam 1 set up them being able to play basketball, so they won't have that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if they're kind of going to go over, like, like skim through the Assemble the Team section and get to the basketball. Which, if this movie's mostly basketball, I'll be very, like, I wonder if they're mostly showing the basketball scenes because it gives away the least plot. Yeah, like, they, I feel like that might be it. Because, like, if you... I'm going to have to watch, like, a trailer for Space Jam 1 mm-hmm. and see, because it could be framed, like, the exact same way. Like, That's true. basketball scenes, like, there's a lot of jokes in there that don't give anything away. You know, they're they're being, like, pretty secretive with, like, the whole thing. Except for the fact that, like, random Warner Brothers characters are in it. Yes. That's maybe my least favorite part. It's like, oh, you didn't advertise Iron Giant when it came out, but now that people like it, you're just going to throw them in everything. Got yeah, it. Yeah, there he cool. is. There he goes. Look at him. Wow. You love him. Wow, I picked up that movie in the bargain bin at the Walmart <laughs> for two bucks. It was great. What do you mean it made no money? We also found out the <laughs> tension for the tunes because it's been like, LeBron James could lose his son, which is like pretty dire. We don't know why he's they want his son. Um, we just know that Don Cheadle has taken his Don son. Cheadle, the Matrix that is Don Cheadle has stolen LeBron James' son. I love it when Don Cheadle gets to be chaotic. <laughs> like that Captain Planet short he did. Oh, yeah. It was really good. Um, that was a lot. It was great. And at one point, Daffy goes, I guess we'll be okay then. Because there's a heaven, like we haven't seen the tension for the tunes. And Don Cheadle's like, all right. And all the tunes will be deleted. Because they're in like the Warner Brothers... Super tower data. Yeah, I think they're in the cloud. (laughs) They're they're in the cloud. Little known fact: the AI that controls Warner Brothers is just Don Cheadle. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Don Cheadle that we know and see on screen is just the physical manifestation (laughs) of this AI. (laughs) What's always wild when you get into movies that use like 
real world stuff, I'm like, okay, so does Don Cheadle either A, not exist in this world, or B, they freight like, this AI wanted to look like Don Cheadle, right? Which is valid. <laughs> and it could go either way, and I'm really hoping it's B, and then at some point LeBron James is like, Don Cheadle? And the AI's like, no! <laughs> I am not Don Cheadle. I am not that meatbag Don Cheadle. <laughs> He like lists off. He's like a big fan of Don. He's just a big fan of Don Cheadle, and he just like lists off all his roles. Oh like my really god! Rapid the, AI, the AI's whole goal is to bring Don Cheadle back to the height of his fame. Yes. <laughs> By stealing the Bron James son for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the whole premise of this movie is like flipped from the original, where like the Looney Tunes were in peril from yes. Danny DeVito. Um, <laughs> And so they decided they were going to play basketball, so they needed a basketball player. This is the opposite in which LeBron James goes to Toon World to see Bugs Bunny, who he seems to know already. Yeah, yeah. also, (laughs) they're familiar with each other. In this, this is the Spaceship universe, so the people know about the great battle between the Toons and the Monstars then? Did, yeah, did that canonically happen? Are they going to have like allusions to like the time? It was on TV. Yeah, so, like, they're going to just be, like, like LeBron's, like, I need help from you guys because you beat this threat a while ago with Michael Jordan. I remember my dad showed me those tapes when I was growing up, man. You guys were legendary. So I need you to help me with another basketball game. It has to, in this setting, it has to be, like, people know. Like, that has to be the case. That, like, after that event, everyone was like, well, cartoons are real. Yeah, well, also, wait, yeah, holy fuck, wait, 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 oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the, the implications for accepting the reality of Space Jam 1 and Space Jam 2 are astronomical. Yeah, if, like, everyone just acknowledges that, like, tunes are real, and also in this movie is, like, every other Warner Brothers property ever, so is every movie character real? <laughs> Brenda Sonic was right. Everything is canon. Everything is canon. You know, so like, like people were complaining because like the characters are Clockwork Orange are in the audience of this fucking movie. <laughs> Clockwork Orange, I think, got an NC seventeen rating initially. It did. FYI, it's a miserable film. It's awful, I but d- it it's they're in this PG basketball movie. Like, who was that? F- who was okay? So this is my last thing. Okay, so. <laughs> If they acknowledge that tunes are real, is it that A, we found a way to view their universe, or B, that like fucking the Looney Tunes creator was some sort of eldritch being that like made <laughs> that gave them life. That could tap into that energy. Right. Like is it that every artist can tap into that energy and when you make a thing, it now has an entire existence you don't know about? Oh my god. Is every single artist like a little demigod? Or is it, we didn't make these, like Wonder Brothers is like in this setting, like we didn't make these things, we found a way to like show you their story. Also, Kinda Iron like, Giant's um, not dead in this setting. Yeah, he's alive. So like, is it, <laughs> wait, is this like yeah, wait, a, wait, is this, wait, wait. <laughs> this is like, okay, this feels like a Roger Rabbit type situation. So, so, wait, so if we're going by Roger Rabbit rules... Like, which makes sense. That means that all of these guys are just actors, which in the original Looney Tunes, they were like, we just do these cartoons for fun. That's not their lives. Right. If we're going by Roger Rabbit rules, then they just exist in an alternate dimension that can be accessed by humans. (laughs) Jesus. Ah. 
this is just the news, everybody. <laughs> yeah, this um, that, and that's the news. Um, oh. I'm getting really excited for Space Jam 2. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I think I'm going to have a great time. I think that's really all I can ask that's for. That's all we can ask for. It's going to be that's incredible. All, yeah. I'm debating, like, do we just watch it on HBO Max, or do we see if we can rent out a theater somewhere? I don't know. I have, so I have some friends here who've been going to the Studio Park Theater, Mm -hmm. and every showing they've been to has been completely empty. So maybe when Space Jam 2 comes out, if you go at, like, 10 in the morning, like, early, early, early. Right. It, and, like, wear a mask. It It's probably just as safe as, like, doing anything else. That's that's what I'm thinking. But the problem yeah, is... Yeah, and I, I don't... And the yeah. thing is, like, the thing that's nice about the theater chain we have here, where I am... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think most of this now is, like, when you go to buy tickets, you can see what seats have been bought. So you can see, like, oh, actually, this is, like, full of people. Yeah, and... It, like, you before just, you like, hit buy. Like, it's, like, the first page is, like, pick your seat, and you can be, like, okay... Yeah, it's really nice. So, and I feel like they don't, they're not at full capacity either. No, so. they're not. Um, no one's going to sit right next to you. So I think, you know. People don't sit right next to you. Like before COVID people, I would be like, oh, there's not a seat by itself. <laughs> what about the next show? <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. If I don't get to sit by my, like I would go in a movie theater before COVID and be like, well, someone's going to be like really close to me. Am I going to get a cold from this? Mm-hmm. Like One time, everything I would go do. I went to go see the force awakens so many times but one of the times i went by myself and i bought three seats so on either side of me it was empty that's so good that I is that. that that is how serious i am about like do i not have buffer people okay well I'll just like buy this row i guess i don't know yeah it's like i'm gonna be alone that's kind of why i like to drive in because you just you're in your car mm-hmm. or you're in the in the back of your car or like you know no one can be anywhere near you because your car is there. Yep. It's nice. All right. Well, okay. we got to get started because yes. you be you had... I have um, I have six pages of notes now. I condensed one more time. <laughs> you were having just a descent into hell. Everyone buckle the fuck up. We're talking about Nintendo from their early stages to roughly the year 1991. <laughs> Strap the fuck in. Uh, I'm ready. So Nintendo's really fucking old. Do you know? Do you know Nintendo's birth year, Brenda? Well, I know it's in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, it's eighteen eighty nine. So close. Oof. It's like it's like a, it's at the end. They're like it's ten, at the end of the eighteen hundreds. Turn of the century. <laughs> Oof. Uh, on Nintendo was founded in September twenty third, eighteen eighty nine, by God. Fusajiro Yamachi in Kyoto, Kyoto, Japan. Uh, they originally produced and distributed Hanafuda cards. A lot of people know this. A lot of people, like, yeah. like they may not know the year or, like, who it was, but they know, like, Nintendo started and they made Hanafuda cards. And, like, a lot of, like, sources are always just like, well, they made playing cards, which to us is, like, a suit of cards, like, hearts and jacks. Like, that's not what Hanafuda cards are. Yeah. Uh, it's a specific type of playing card that was specifically used to play Hanafuda. Um mm-hmm. Or, you can't play poker with them. You, yeah, you. Yeah, you, you could try. You could. You'd be playing it, it wrong. Like you. I guess. <laughs> I guess you could look at them and make up new rules, but they are ma- they are <laughs> Hanafuda cards to play the game Hanafuda. Like, yeah, that's what they are made for. Um, so the first thing that I descended into madness on for a whole night, nobody knows what the fuck Nintendo's name means. Yeah. 
Because, like, a lot of people are like, well, leave luck to heaven, I guess. Yes. But then it's like, does it, though? <laughs> that was first popularized in 19... 19- for English speakers, because this is, again, translation, was first popularized mm-hmm. in 1955 in a New York Times article about Nintendo when they say made so many Hanafuda cards. Uh, it was around oh. when they first, like, they were... In the New York Times, in, like, a very small, like, subsection article, I couldn't find out, like, why they were in the Times, why they were being covered. It was, like, it was, like, one of those, like, corner pieces, you know, about them. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't find the whole 1955 edition New York Times because I couldn't find what article number it was. Uh, that New York Times article also cited that Nintendo had been using names since 1887, but I couldn't mm. find any proof that Nintendo existed before 1889, so... If they had been using it since then, they were not an on-the-books business. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't find any corroborating evidence. Other mm. people sometimes translate, besides the popular Leave Luck to Heaven or um, other variations of that, to the Temple of Free Hanafuda. Hmm. Regardless, the word Nintendo was adopted by Yamachi when he was struggling to sell Hanafuda cards out of uh, a shop he owned. So he was already selling Hanafuda. And it wasn't going well, so he, like, came up with a new name. Interesting. Many Japanese people, when they had been polled on what the Nin in Nintendo was, like, referring to, that they always that they automatically would equate it to Nin, that is Ninjo, or Niko, which means chivalry, duty, or obligation. Mm. Ten, at the time that Fushijiro first made Nintendo was automatically, to every historian's account, Ten meant Tengu. Ah. This is a big deal. (sighs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Austin's gearing up to explain what a Tengu is. If you don't know what a Tengu is, it is a... It's a, like, a Tengu has, like, a big nose and, like, bulbous eyes, and that is really all that's important for this explanation of this next part. Tengu mm-hmm. have, say with me, Tengu have long noses. <laughs> the word for nose yeah. is Hana. The Hana for <gasps> nose is spelt the same as Hana for flower, which is the Hana you say for Hanafuda. Oh. So, people visiting the pleasure quarters in Osaka and Kyoto would rub their noses when they wanted to gamble, because gambling was not legal. Uh, yeah. Just like in many other places, like, just open gambling is, like, not chill. Mm-hmm. So, People would rub their nose to show they wanted to gamble because ten, like Tengu, have long noses. Hana, Hanafuda, gambling. Oh, the dough from Nintendo. Many people uh, will put dough as like sort of like a exclamation point on their shop. You'll see stores sometimes that are like like cone beanie dough or something like. The Temple of Convenience Stores, because, like, Doe is the same character for temple or, like, when you're very serious. So it's more of, like, a mm-hmm. exclamation point. So some people say, historically, Nintendo more likely was meant to translate to the Temple of Free Hanafuda or the company that's allowed to make and sell Hanafuda cards. Because <laughs> many other companies have been shut down because they were linked specifically to gambling, and Nintendo have found a way to not be that they're like no this is like an art form because i make because like he fushijiro like made the cards yeah um nintendo also did a lot of dealings with the yakuza at the time they were in (laughs) (laughs) they were in kyoto 
the Hanafuda was for gambling. And the clientele was very um prolific in the area. Some old headquarters of Nintendo are now like known Yakuza headquarters and dens. Interesting. Um so this is this is the most this is the this is the best part. I'm ready. Hiroshi Yamachi, who is the great grandson of the father, of the founder of mm-hmm. Nintendo, was asked when he was still alive about like Nintendo's original meaning. He is also unsure. It was never really passed down through the family. There's no written record. There's no family book. There's no heirloom. There's no business secret. He is quoted as saying, leave one's luck to heaven? That could be a plausible explanation. <laughs> oh, the Temple of Free Hanafuda. And he, he, sat and, he sat and thought about it. No, yeah, that would also work. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Maybe. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely no one alive or that has recently passed, knows what Fushijiro Yamachi was thinking in 1889. That's so long ago. We'll never we'll know. We'll never know. There's no way to ever know. Um, Nintendo will often lean on the leave luck to heaven when people want to know, but Nintendo is now also just like their company name. And it, it was it was like, I got to the name, and me, Austin, had never fucking thought about their... I was just like, you name your business, right? Yeah. And I'm like, wait... No, like, now when you see Nintendo, it's always, like, the business logo. Like, it's, like, a brand. But at one point, this was, like, someone wrote this. Like, you can find, like, their old business headquarters and stuff have, like, the kanji and the characters. Yeah. And it's, like, similar to, like, uh, Sega. Yeah. Like, like, standing for, like, service games. Like, these names mean things, mm-hmm. and we just don't know what Nintendo means. Just don't know. Because, again, because Sega was, what, 1945? Was, like, their... Yeah. And Sega and Nintendo is clear almost a hundred years of that. So eighteen eight like this this man didn't fucking write this down. No. <laughs> there's I people are like, there's no record. I'm like, why would there be? There's no way in his mind, in the fa- in like the deepest reaches of his soul, would he think a company he started to sell gambling cards would become one of the largest like gaming corporations of all time. He couldn't even fathom what a video yeah, game Yeah, couldn't, couldn't even, could not, you, would, you, if he was alive today, he would poop himself and die. <laughs> he would be like, what's a Mario? Yeah, where are the Hanafuda cards at? And he's like, a screen? Yeah. And it moves? Yeah, absolutely. What? No, no way. Anyway, um, Fushijiro ran the company until, 1920, until 1929 when he passed away. In 1907, knowing that, like, he wouldn't live forever... Fushijiro realized he needed to figure out who's going to run the company next. Given Japanese, like, culture at the time, it needed to be a family business. Mm-hmm. Fushijiro didn't have any sons. Uh-oh. But he had a son-in-law. Ah. He adopted his son-in-law. He added him to his family registry. Um, And so Seki- Sekiryo Kaneda became Sekiryo Yamachi. And the second president exactly. of Nintendo. This is actually pretty common in Japan. Yes, super. Co- <laughs> it is super duper common. I looked into adult adoption rules because it was like, I'm like, he just adopted his. That's not he. He's married. It's like a super common thing. They have like rules and laws around it, where yeah. essentially you are not getting egg on your face for putting your daughter in charge, which is a whole different discussion. <laughs> a whole other can of worms. Like an article about this just popped up on my Facebook feed mm-hmm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And now it's like relevant for 
unexpectedly for this conversation mm-hmm. we're having right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting coincidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the algorithm <laughs> works in mysterious ways. It does, truly. Uh, see adult adoption rules. I did that already. That was like a note to myself that I need to look into that. Uh, <laughs> so now we have the second president of Nintendo. Under, it's also very weird because, uh, this is an aside, it was also very weird researching this because mo- every president of Nintendo relevant to this episode had the last name Namachi. Yeah. <laughs> every single, all three of them have the last, uh, spoiler alert, the second one is not the second one for super long. All three of them <laughs> had that last name and so I'll be reading and it was like, Yamauchi. And I'm like, wait, which yeah, one? but wait, I'm like, which one are we talking about again? Like, who who said that? You can't. I understand <laughs> in like article writing that is like proper, right? Like you use the last name after you use the first name because you're on a first name basis. Yeah. When all three of the people that have been president for the same company have the same last name, I like at least just you just say the full like in my notes. I just said the full name every time because I was like, I'm not. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> There's no way to tell it apart. Uh, but Sekiro was only the president for 20 years. Um, he passed away in 1949. He had a stroke and never really recovered from it. Uh, seeing that his health was declining, and af- after his stroke in like, I think it was the night the late 1930s, um, he asked his grandson to step up to be the new president when he was gone. He actually he actually left the role. He left the role, like, a year or two before he passed away, if I remember right, actually. Um, he So, Sekiro also did not have any sons. He was going to adopt his son-in-law. His son-in-law... He, was, he, didn't, he, <laughs> he did not adopt his son-in-law, because his son-in-law ran out in the family. Oof. And in the back of my head... Fuck that guy. Yeah, well, fuck that guy. Also, in the back of my head, I'm like, man, do you, do you think, like, that guy ran off, <laughs> right? And then, like, started a new family, and every day... His like kids are like, man, I could have been Mr. Fucking Nintendo, Dad. Why'd you have to suck? <laughs> yeah. Why'd you have to run off, man? Like, I wonder, I'm like, I don't, because I couldn't find anything about him because he ran off. So his, his, his story stopped. But I'm like, man, you have to think if he was still alive, like, oh, shit, I could have been Mr. Nintendo. Yeah. Every time he sees a Nintendo <laughs> logo, he's just like, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't have to suck so much. Ah, oh, beans. Uh, but. When Sekiro was Nintendo's president, they began to branch out more, and they established the company as a general partnership, and they changed their name to Yamauchi Nintendo and Company Limited Corporation. Hmm. Do you know what a general partnership is? Because I do now. I don't. Please enlighten. <laughs> a general partnership is the most basic form of partnership in a company, and it is the first step towards becoming a publicly traded company, apparently, to be on a stock exchange. Oh. So they were looking at, uh, and later on, I'll, at some point I have it in here, they became part of the Osaka Stock Exchange, uh, oh. which is not the big one. The big one in Japan is Tokyo Stock Exchange. I learned a lot about the stock exchange. <laughs> Specifically in Japan. Specifically in <laughs> Japan. Uh, anyway, that is the biggest thing in Osekryo. Uh They also got a new headquarters under his leadership, and that was kind of it. Um, they started looking into making things besides Hanafuda cards, but like I said, his reign as president was not very long. Uh, yeah. 
So Hiroshi, he asked him to be his next successor, and he would step in eventually. Uh, oh, right. World War II happened. Oh. Right. Ah, hey, uh, yes. Hey, we're talking about Japan. World War II happened. World War II was really bad for Nintendo and all of Japan, but specifically... <laughs> After World War II, Japan prohibited the diffusion of foreign card games, and at the time, recreational activities were not on the mind of Japanese people because we dropped a lot of bombs on them. Yeah, because they were absolutely devastated. Because uh, Nintendo was starting to sell American playing cards and other, that's like how they branched out, and Japan <laughs> was like, that's illegal, which cut their business a lot, and not a lot of people wanted to get exports of Japanese products at the time. Yeah. Um, what kept the company afloat was Hiroshi's wife, Michiko. Uh, who was from a very wealthy family, and they just essentially just gave Nintendo a bunch of money. Um, well, that's fortunate. <laughs> yeah, they they just, like, Nintendo, what I've learned the most from this, Nintendo should not exist. Nintendo should not, <laughs> Nintendo should not have made it to 2021. The fact Nintendo made it through the 60s is a miracle. The fact that Nintendo made it through the 70s is a miracle. And the fact that Nintendo was able to find a market in America during the video game crash is a miracle is an absolute miracle um wow nintendo is the fucking charles entertainment cheese of video games of how many times they should have gone under and someone was like oh i'll just give you like four trillion dollars whatever man it's not a big deal (laughs) (laughs) it's all in the family right (laughs) (laughs) gotta keep that business afloat you know what i mean yeah basically uh So that was, Hiroshi is now in charge. The biggest thing for Sekiro's World War II is going on. Hiroshi's in charge. Hiroshi changed the name of the company. I stopped tracking it because Nintendo changed its name a lot. <laughs> Nintendo's always in there, but they always have like a different other moniker. Um, they changed the name of the company. They started selling plastic playing cards, which was cheaper, and it was great for sales. People enjoyed the durability of the plastic playing cards versus paper. But... Mm-hmm. Hiroshi was a very, like, shoot-at-the-hip kind of leadership. Hiroshi was much younger, because Hiroshi Mm -hmm. is president for the rest of this time period of Nintendo. So it's now 1949. Hiroshi is president of Nintendo until the 2000s. So he was much younger than the previous president. Um, And he does not have a very reserved style. He's like, let's, like, shoot-at-the-hip. Let's see what sticks. Let's throw it to the wall. Let's do it. (laughs) <laughs> as we've talked about before nintendo doesn't like change no the workers were going to strike uh oh my god the workers were like this is another point when nintendo shouldn't have, the workers were like this isn't gonna we we make paper playing what are you doing what are you talking about <laughs> uh the strike did not succeed he was able to talk down most Oof. of the workers and other workers that were dissatisfied he dismissed them which was seen as an act of kindness because they weren't fired, so they still got severance. Wow. <laughs> but he did tell them to get out. <laughs> get the fuck out. Hiroshi is also not known for taking crap from anybody. Jeez. Uh, 1959. 1959. We've reached the 50s. We've reached the 50s. Guess who Nintendo works with in 1959, Brenda? For the first time. They work with, for the first time. They work with, for the first time. Uh, do they work with Sony? No, they will later. <sighs> 19, 1959, seen as Nintendo's first work with a Western company, they work with a little known <gasps> man named Walt Disney. 
Mr. Disney. Mr. Disney to incorporate some of oh. his cartoon characters into playing cards. Oh. And to get up a system to off to offer their cards and toy stores for the first time. Interesting. Because this is their first time foraying into like things that are for kids. But yeah. Everything else, like Hanafuda, playing cards, like stuff for gambling is not for children. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like for kids. Uh, (laughs) 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 um a few years later they would hold a key place in this market with their heavy lean on tv and ad campaigns uh sidebar regular broadcast started regular tv broadcast started in japanese tv in 1953 then there was an even bigger boom that started in 1954 when they started putting tv they started putting sports on tv Especially sumo and baseball. That is what made everybody like, I gotta get a TV. I can watch sumo and baseball. I gotta watch the baseball. Um, As TV started taking off in Japan, people started watching this Disney guy. This eventually led to Nintendo reaching out to Disney as Disney became popular, more popular in Japan. Yeah. Um, Two, like, just a few years before that, though, Nintendo was not even a household name. People still, like... Nintendo is still, like, not a company people thought of. Because, like, think about when you buy playing cards. You don't, like, think of who your playing cards are from. No. You just, like, admire, and you're like, I need a deck of cards for tonight. Here's a deck of cards, all right. All right, bye. See ya. Yeah, you're like, here you go. Got it. It's good. They all have the same letters and numbers. (laughs) Yep. That's it. There's no letter. Well, there are letters. Yes. Yes. There's letters and cards. On this week of Secret History Nerd Mysteries, Brenda goes through a pack of playing cards. <laughs> oh, wow, there's another king! How many are there in here? Like, four? Are there four? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> a few years after that, this is Nintendo's really going for it. 1961. It is now in parts of the Osaka and Kyoto Stock Exchange. I say parts because I learned there are different sections of all stock exchanges. Oh my god. They are in the Winnie Hut Jr. section, where the big kids don't come to play. This is baby stocks. And then in 1963, they changed their name to the name they still have today, Nintendo Company LTD, which I believe means limited. I think it's limited. Uh, And became a publicly traded company. Oh. This is the last time they changed their name, because... I triple checked, and it's still the name they have today, and I couldn't find it in the middle where they made it something else. So we've made it to Nintendo's final name. Yeah, Nintendo's final name, but nowhere near their final fucking form, because it's 1963 still. Jesus. Video games still barely exist. Barely. Uh, Nintendo now have become almost entirely impended on the children's market during this time. Uh, They're like, kids, toys, where it's at. Yep. Adults are really moving away from Hanafuda. Um, Nintendo is also still very much like a Japanese company. They are not really in Western markets. Like this, all of this reporting is like how they're doing in Japan. They are not mm-hmm. like from anything I could find really branched out to overseas besides like being partnered with Walt Disney to make those Walt Disney cards. Yeah. For sale in Japan. Yes. I could not find, I tried to find the old adverts and tv ads and like clippings i could not find them i found no i found mm. one old nintendo hanafuda ad but that was it mm. i really wanted to find some of the old tv ads but anytime i put in like card nintendo i got like the old card reader which is old but like not what i was looking for it's not older than us <laughs> exactly 
Um, but people moving, adults are moving from Hanafuda as a source of leisure and really getting into bowling in Japan. Ooh. People are really into bowling. They're like, bowling is where it's at. Bowling became the most popular leisure activity for adults. Man, wow. Also, why'd you research leisure activities for adults in Japan? I don't know. That's why I have this show. Maybe it'll come up again. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do a whole episode on bowling. Maybe. Probably not. What is... What's the origins of bowling, and what does it t- tie into nerd shit? Hey, do you know what happened in 1964 in Tokyo? Uh, no. The Olympics. Ah! Also, Nintendo stock hit an all-time low of about $5 per stock. Ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was 60 yen, and 60 yen today is like 50 cents, and 50 cents in 1964... It's about $5 U.S. purchasing power. <laughs> Which, hey, what? <laughs> Can you imagine being able to get Nintendo stocks for like five bucks? That that would be... that. There's someone out there who did that, and every day they just like laugh in their, in their pool of... <laughs> their pool of fucking gold coins that they jump into like yeah. Scrooge McDuck every day. They're just like... I took a chance on this little Japanese company called Nintendo, and here I am. There's, there's got to be someone out there who was like, eh, fuck it. Like, they were, like, leaving after the Olympics, you know, and they, like, saw the stock posting in the newspaper, and they, like, called in to the stock exchange, because that's what you used to do, and they were like, yeah, fuck it, I'll buy, like, I, got, I have, like, 60 bucks on me, I'm, I don't need to spend, so sure, I'll buy, sure, whatever. <laughs> And I got nothing to lose because our team lost. <laughs> and then, and then, like a decade later, they're like, "Oh fuck!" And then a decade later, they're like, "Oh, oh shit!" <laughs> oh fuck! Shit! <laughs> oh my god! And then the Wii U came along. Oh, oh shit! Oh, that's not quite as good. And then the Switch came out. Oh fuck! fuck. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, people love Nintendo again. I feel, I feel and like, like the his grand- <laughs> thing with stock is knowing when to stock. Yeah, when do you stop? I don't know. That's like the most, that's the scariest thing, right? You're like, 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 right, the Switch comes out, right? And so anyone, anyone that had Nintendo stock is like, is it now? Because like, anytime a new company releases a console and it goes well, like, they're like, is it, is it now? But what if they like, release a Zelda and then it's then? Or the the Mario and then it's like, that's everything. Then it's then? Like, Pokemon Go 2 comes out, and then it's then. Right. It's in your, it's, that's the, I'm like, it isn't like getting into it, because I've like looked, and I'm like, I could spend a hundred bucks, but it's like, well, then what do I do? Like. Yeah, because you have to keep an eye on is it. Is it when it's a thousand? Or is that like, oh, that's, no, it could be higher one. Like, you know? It's like. Yeah. It's like the people who collect comics only to sell them. I'm like. Yeah. That is such a nerve wracking experience. It's very nerve wracking. Like, I have two copies of Batman um batman damned number bat one dick. that like bat dick and um first appearance of batman's penis and um i mean at the height those were both worth six hundred dollars and now they're worth maybe 50 mm-hmm. um but also i just kind of like saying i have two of them <laughs> <laughs> locked and loaded it's like if they ever end up being worth something in the future i'll sell one but like right now i just like being like yeah i've got two mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have like, I'll be, like, talking to some random guy, and I'll be like, you have none you have no of the dick. first appearance. <laughs> no bad dick, and I have two bad dick. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Nintendo's in trouble. Ah! 
Hiroshi's like, we gotta diversify, guys. We gotta figure something out. We gotta, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta, we'll, we'll start making instant rice and a, a taxi service <laughs> and love hotels. <laughs> Everyone likes to bring up the love hotels. <laughs> if you don't know what a love hotel are, they are typically cheap hourly hotels that some that sometimes get accredited to motels here. Businessmen businessmen like them for a short nap nap during their day day to day because they can go and pay for an hour take a nap nap. They also commonly used for sex workers and for lovers to meet in. Thus, the name Love Hotel. And now there's actually some pretty fancy there ones very, out there. There are very fancy ones. You can find some they're, here in the states. There's some in Chicago. Oh, that's wild. That are, and they're like <laughs> and like all the ones here are like very super duper fancy. Like I had a friend who went to one. Mm-hmm. And they sent me pictures and they had like it had like a whole like everyone was a suite. They had like California king beds. They had like flat Ooh. screens. There were like stripper poles in like every room of the suite. <laughs> they had like smart lights you could hook your phone up to. It was wow. it was insane. That's <laughs> <laughs> so that's so extra. Um, but did you know the love hotels aren't the only romantic thing Nintendo's ever made? Oh ho ho! Did they make a vibrator? They didn't. It sounds like it oh, though. Damn. It's called the Love Tester. <laughs> Oh, yes. Okay. I've seen one of these things. <laughs> the Love Tester, designed by Gunpei Yokoi. He'll be important more later. Aha! Gunpei, he's here. He's here. The year is 1969. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> the Love Tester was a toy used to measure the couple's compatibility with one another. Um, After the Love Tester started selling, they stopped with the Love Hotel thing. They almost kept the taxi service because it was doing very well. And I like to think of the alternate universe where Nintendo has, like, games and also a taxi service. <laughs> yeah. It would be cool. You, like, get in and there's, like, Nintendo music playing, right? Like, it, like imagine if they had, again, imagine if they had kept that. That would be the t- only yeah. taxi anyone ever fuck. Every single fucking weeb that goes to Japan is like, yes, I will pay $400 for the Nintendo taxi to go one train stop. Yeah, they're, like, twice as expensive and, like... <laughs> But, like, you get in, and it's just, like, a guy dressed like Mario's there, and he's like, hi. Yeah, it, it would be so good. It would be so good. Oh, my God. They would, <laughs> and they'd hire, they would hire uh, foreigners to be the drivers for their characters. Yes. Oh. And then every so often, you would just get Charles Martinet. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, Charles Martinet, is that you? And he's like, no. No. It's Mario. It's, it's a me. I don't have a Mario voice. It's- it's a, it's a me. It's, it's a me. <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need to workshop the Mario voice a little we'll come more. Back we'll come back around to it. I should have prepared. <laughs> um, Yokoi went on to save Nintendo once again. Um, not, not that he did it again, but like they almost died earlier and someone gave him the money. Yokoi's now here to save the day. Nintendo was about to go bankrupt. Um, yeah. They were this close you can't see brenda because we're in an audio only medium and we don't have video but my <laughs> fingers are real close real close like about like the width of a like a of a dvd case even closer <gasps> oh yeah, shit fuck that's really it's- serious <laughs> <laughs> yokoi also released nintendo's one of their biggest hit toys the ultra hand <laughs> this toy single-handedly saves them from bankruptcy I still do not see the allure of the Ultra Hand. No. <laughs> Look, I know this is when I'm still going to Google a picture. It's for those who don't know, oh. it's like when it's like the think of the classic grabber toy. It's that toy. Yeah. Like, what can this grab? It, it, but people loved it. 
And I was like, is this the first version of this toy ever made? Yeah, because like now these are pretty common. Like, what is it? Is this what ARMS is based off of? Yes. Oh my god. It's also an item in Super Smash Bros. Oh. Um. Well. So, like, if, from what I can tell, this is, like, the first time that toy had been made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yokoi and other people that'll be coming up soon in Nintendo's history made a lot of first things that I didn't know Nintendo made first. Jeez. Um, and a lot of them weren't games. Really? Yeah. This is, we're, we're, we're not even at games yet, baby. <laughs> we're they just, video they games just, they just barely. started making toys. <laughs> it is 1969 and Nintendo just started making toys, Brenda. <laughs> I think at this point, to put it in perspective, I think Atari is close to existing. Mm-hmm. We're getting to so Pong exists at this point. Pong exists. Uh and a few the Magnavox is around. Ah, the Magnavox. They're they're around for sure. Yeah, those those are something. <laughs> they exist. <laughs> I have one. It's Oh. <laughs> it's very it's barely. Which one do you have? <laughs> oh god, I'd have to go into the side basement. It's in a box. Oh, that's okay. Um, I'll do that. Yeah, it's that's too far away cuz you wouldn't be able to hear me. That's okay. So it wouldn't be funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would hear me. The audience couldn't hear me. They would hear like muffled yelling. Ah! Um, oh! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um Gunpei saves the day. They build a new production plant in Uji City outside of Kyoto. And start Nintendo realizes, oh wait, we have plastics. What if we release other games? So they start making things like chess, shogi, go, mahjong, um, other like just classics. Always will sell. You may not think about who's selling Mm -hmm. it, like you just grab it and go type products. Yeah, Um, this is under their Nippon Games brand. Oh, still around 1969. Uh, They're not really selling Hanafuda, they still print them. Most people say that's out of nostalgia's sake. Mm-hmm. They So, two things that are interesting. I could not pinpoint when Nintendo stopped making Hanafuda cards. I cannot verify that they don't under some kind of label. Yeah, because, like, I know, like, Mario Hanafuda, like, official Mario Hanafuda cards and, like, Pokemon ones exist. Yes. So it's like, is Nintendo making those under a side label? That's all I can think of, because I couldn't find in any history. I went to an archived old Nintendo website that detailed their history. And they detailed when they started slowing down production, but they never said they stopped. Yeah, And they say when they stop other stuff. They mention when they stopped, like, their game systems and stuff. Like, production stopped on this day. So, I can only think they make them still, and maybe they only get sold in Japan. Maybe it's, like, licensed out to someone else, like the plant, but... In the late 60s, they're slowing down, but they still make them. Mm-hmm. So, a few months go by. We roll into the 70s. Do you know who Masayuki Umerua is? Oh, I have heard that name. This is the other, like, I... bright light of Nintendo. Yeah. Fortunately, I can't remember what it is. He designs the Nintendo Bean Gun. <gasps> the Bean Gun! The first- this is the world's first ever solar-powered light gun made for home commercial use. It is a... I thought, you said, <laughs> I thought you said the bean gun. And I was like, what the fuck is the bean oh, gun? Oh, no, the bean gun. 
you know the the beam the gun beam gun if we're, not not like like bean and i was like bean. is this like a nintendo thing where like you could shoot beans and i had to google it and i was like oh it's the it's the the zapper, the zapper. <laughs> it's opto it's an opto electronic pistol this thing is so cool nintendo we go into design a similar light gun for Magnavox Odyssey, 1971. This is the first time Nintendo does any kind of video game thing. Sort of. Whoa. Because it, it, it they didn't, they made a controller, essentially, for the Magnavox Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Because. Like a peripheral. Right. Because no one else was making beam guns like this, like, for home commercial use. Yeah. Uh, this, this was the first in the world. And so people were like, well, if you want your... You want your fucking duck hunt gun? You gotta go to Nintendo. I don't know what to tell you. They they make that stuff. This thing was so fucking cool. It's really fucking cool. It's a gun. <laughs> well, it's like you know, uh, like motion controls didn't exist, right. but it felt like motion exactly. Controls. So like, much like yeah. their 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 absolute best friend Sega, Nintendo is routinely ahead of their curve for like their niche of games. Mm-hmm. Um, Yokoi is killing it with toys. We got the Ultra Hand, the Ultra Machine, the Ultra Scope, the Love Tester. The Ultra Hand sells 1.2 million units during its production time. God. Nintendo is now on the main section of the Osaka stock market, and yes. they have a new headquarters. That means they're a big company now. Being on the main section of any stock market means you're now a large company. Uh, they wouldn't make it to the Tokyo Stock Exchange until 1983, but they opened on the Tokyo Stock Exchange on the first section. Whoa. So about 12 years late, 13 years later, um, the good times keep rolling. In 1973, they released the Laser Clay Shooting System. (gasps) It it is another light-based gun that came with a little projector, and it was kind of like a video game. Still a toy. It's all... It's almost a video game. It's almost game. a video game. Also, in 1973, there was a terrible oil crisis that led to spikes in cost of productions and plastics. Oof. Uh, <laughs> yes, this the oil crisis. Uh, Nintendo seems to like hitting things right when a crisis starts, because they, <laughs> they will try and release things later on when a certain crash happens. Nintendo gets... <laughs> again, Nintendo should not be making it, but they're still here today. It should not have survived. In 1973, as people lost interest in leisure activities once again because of the oil crash, which crashed the economy around the world, which increased products, prices for everything, everyone's making all these plastic toys, all the prices jump, people can't afford it because the economy just crashed. Brenda, how much money do you think Nintendo lost? Oh, millions. They lost 5 billion yen in profits and assets. God! As large sections of their corporate customers that were buying stock canceled all orders for years jesus wow yes. i did the ch- nintendo should, <laughs> should not, not exist ex- i was like i don't There's- i don't know that to scale to put into u.s dollars but five billion of your currency is a lot let's see five billion yen i love this typing asmr going along with it this is good <laughs> You might think we put okay, that sound on everyone. That's real. That's real Foley, right? That's just I- me typing. <laughs> All right. Um, so, oh, I can't read numbers. It's millions, right? Yeah, it's like 45 million. That's a, that's, but that's in to, that's today yeah, dollars. That's, so, like, put, like, some zeros in that. That's a lot of fucking money, everybody. 
Yeah, so 45 million in the 70s. 70s. Um, how many zeros is a million? Do, 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 uh, three sets? Yeah, hundreds, thousands, millions. Millions is up to, if there are more than nine zeros, you're into trillions. I'm not the person to be doing this because I can't read. <laughs> you're okay, because in 1974, Nintendo releases the Wild Gunman, another scoot, another <gasps> skeet shooting sim using image pro- using an image projector like the laser shooting system. These both had big success, <laughs> and they were exported to Europe and North America. But Nintendo was not able to keep up with other toy competitors like Bandai and Tomy because they could not keep up production. Some things never change. Nintendo is known for slow production times <laughs> to this day. They've just, they're like, it works for us, and well, we're not changing. And Ninten- It's just good to know that Nintendo's had this, like, big dick energy their whole life of, like, I mean, you're gonna fucking buy it when it gets here. I don't know. What's the rush? Like, Yeah. I love watching videos of people in the 80s freaking out over Mario 2 <laughs> and being like, they have the supply. Why won't they send us Mario 2? <laughs> they don't have the supply. People are just... <laughs> no, they don't. They also just do it on purpose. Like, they're like, we make what we make, so we don't have too much. <laughs> like, Can't lose money if you didn't make it. Exactly. Ah. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, yeah. Uh, Nintendo yeah? closes Nintendo Leisure System Co- Company, which is the arm of their company that makes all of these products I was just talking about. Rest. Because they ain't got any money. Peace. There's no money. Due to all of these developments, due to the oil crash, yeah. but all of all of the great, great toys they made, Nintendo is now considering that possibly, perhaps, <gasps> they should think about this video game thing that's kicking off. <gasps> oh my god. It's 1977. Did they, did they do And they're it? like, what if we release <laughs> this little thing called the Color TV Game 6? Oh. The Color TV Game 6 is Nintendo's first full dedicated home video game console. Ooh. It can play six different games, and they are all like tennis in quotes, base games. They all look like Pong. <laughs> oh, so it's like tennis, hockey, yes. ping pong. Like. The idea is like you could paste over those images with like any other sport that has a ball that moves. Yep. Soccer. The Color TV 6, <laughs> during its first run of a few years, would sell one million units. My god. People fucking loved People Pong. People fucking loved Pong! Hiroshi saw the success of Atari and Magnavox with their video game consoles. So, while over dinner with a friend, uh, he got, he was able to convince the people at Magnavox to give Nintendo the rights for the Odyssey in 1974 to distribute in Japan. Oh! So this is like pre the Color TV 6. My notes were jumbled. Imagine I didn't say that. They're just distributing, they're just distributing the Magnavox Odyssey right now. So, Nintendo now has the rights for ju- to distribute the Odyssey in Japan. It's going pretty yes. good. He's seeing all this money. Hiroshi talks with Umera, who made the laser clay light shooting system, mm-hmm. and they want to make a game. 
and they're trying to figure out who they should work with because they've never made electronic stuff. So they make a deal with Mitsubishi uh-huh. Electric to make similar products to the Odyssey between 1975 and 1978. 1977, they released the Color TV6. The other thing that they worked on with Mitsubishi Electric was the world's first microprocessor for video games. Ooh. They made an arcade game that was inspired by Othello. And mm-hmm. uh, during this time, they released their what Nintendo sees as their first ever video game. Sorry, laser clay shooting system. Uh, <laughs> EVR Race. Ooh, a racing game. It, it is. Sort of. It was... In the very basic sense of the word. It was an arcade racing game. That was extremely complicated with many, 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 many machines breaking down forever. <laughs> they had a terrible time keeping machines up and running. Uh, the game was up to six players. Horses would race on a screen, and you bet on them. Nintendo's back to their roots, everybody. Don't worry, we're back to just gambling. <laughs> I could not... Un- I was like, this isn't a racing... This is a betting sim. Because mm-hmm. you're not... You don't race the horses. The horses run, and you bet on the horses as a player. Oh my god. So it's like playing the Poogle racing game on Neopets. Yeah, sure. What? Just- <laughs> <laughs> Austin, whenever I get to the Neopets episode, I'm sure you're just going to be absolutely astounded by how much gambling there is. Absolutely. Um, the game was developed by Genyo Takeda, and he is also seen by many Nintendo alum to this day as their first ever video game developer. Again, it's, sorry, uh, Umera and Laser Clay Shooting System. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's the Laser Clay Shooting System personally, but whatever. Um, also during this time, uh, Nintendo did two very important things. The first one is that the end of is in 1978, they broke up their teams into, into Nintendo Research and Development Team 1 and Nintendo Research and Development Team 2. These two teams Ooh. were led by Yokoi and Umera, and they were able to like kind of divide and conquer because these are their two like best workers and now they can lead these two Mm -hmm. separate teams to like develop stuff and not worry about like slowing down each other's production yeah they were given their own budget their own space like they were like able to kind of just do whatever someone on this team is someone you might recognize (gasps) Holmes. enter shigiru miyamoto who's that miyamoto (laughs) oh My my heart dropped. I was like, Brenda, not two weeks in a row. <laughs> not like this. Not two weeks in a row. <laughs> this is one of the when they revoked when they revoked my nerd card last week. They erased all memories of Shigeru Miyamoto. So in my head, Mario just Mario appeared just upon the planet Earth one day, bur- burfed out of the abyss. He's <laughs> he's just been inevitable since the beginning of time. Um. This is one of those people I got to, and I was like, it's 1970, it's 2012, how long have you been there? How old are you? How old are you? I didn't look it up, but I, he's been at Nintendo since 1978. Um, Jesus. <laughs> also, Nintendo uses the Color TV game 15, which had 15 games, also sold them in units. Nintendo is very close to being what we recognize today. We're getting there. 1979. So close. American Branch opens up. It's in New York City. Yes. Still in New York City. Oh. They found their first wing of the company is created entirely for arcade development. 
Nice. Also, sorry, aside, I looked up how old Shigeru Miyamoto was, and he is as old as my dad. He's exactly as old as my dad. Like the same birthday? Not the same birthday, oh, same year. I was year. like, is Shigeru Miyamoto your dad? <laughs> <laughs> big, big reveal on the show, everybody. Brenda is Little Miss Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the heiress to the Nintendo fortune. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Uh, also in 1979, the calculator market is booming. Uh, oh, I forgot about the calculator boom. The calculator market is just like going bananas. They're making a bunch of money. They're getting all the extra cash to find new ways to make calculators smaller and smaller. People fucking love math. People love math. It's a great thing to do when you're bored because what else you got to hold in your hand? And <laughs> Gupe Yokoi is on a train one day watching a guy playing his calculator. He's like, damn, that guy should have a game to play in his hand wait wait a second wait a fucking <laughs> se- wait one mother whoa holy shit wait whoa fuck he like stands up on the train he's just like ah! Ah! and like the guy with the calculator is just like are you okay sir and gunpei's just like give me your calculator I and have an idea. <laughs> i have a big idea holy shit he's like <laughs> yokoi let's go back to 1965 <laughs> let's rewind a little bit gunpei yokoi is a humble engineer he's looking for a job he is placed at the feet of hiroshi yamochi at a business at a business meeting he's networking he is he is desperate he is like i can't leave college and not have a job and just move back with my parents hiroshi feels for the kid he hires him on as a mercy hire yokoi is like this is clearly a mercy hire i won't do well here <laughs> Gunpei Yokoi goes on to develop the Game & Watch. It sells 4.3 million units worldwide. God! 1.6 million of those were in Scandinavia. Wow, Scandinavia was like... Because I don't even think we, we got the original no, Game & Watch No, absolutely here. not. Wow. How, Scandinavia, how did you how did you get that? I don't know. I don't know why this... Fa- <laughs> this was on Nintendo's archive website I found. I don't know why they had those numbers. <laughs> I couldn't find any of the numbers from Scandinavia. I was like, does Scandinavia secretly love Nintendo? I couldn't find anything think, that showed they loved it I more think, than anyone else. Oh, I feel like I've watched a video about this. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like right at the edge of my brain. <laughs> Tickling your mind. I know, I'm like, Scandinavia? I should have, what I should have done is looked at a map, I'm like, is Scandinavia one of those European countries that's like, also really close to Asia? No. No? It's okay. like, yeah, so like, Scandinavia is like, you know how there's like, Europe, like Spain and in Italy and mm-hmm. shit? And then you just go up, and then there's, like, that chunk that kind of, like, mm-hmm. hangs over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's Scandinavia. So, like, there's oh. the entirety of Russia that's just, like... Whoosh. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Scandinavia, north, it's the bit that hangs over the rest of Europe. Oh, neat. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Gunpei- I'll look into this this Mario thing a little bit later. Gunpei Scandinavia Yokoi thing was uh, instrumental in creating the Nintendo we know today. He saved them from bankruptcy multiple times with his toy ideas. He brought them the Game & Watch, which was the first handheld, like, gaming thing. Um, mm-hmm. He also, he, all, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was on his research and development team, which was R&D 2, I believe. Uh, and he personally trained and coached him through most of his, like, his early years at Nintendo. And he was also just like a young upstart. He coached him entirely on making Donkey Kong. Even giving mm-hmm. Miyamoto the idea from the Popeye cartoon that Donkey Kong, the original, is based off of, A Walking Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was, th- this is like so instrumental to Nintendo we have today. Because Donkey yeah. Kong, 
was one of the first games where you could jump. <gasps> Is that why Mario was originally called Jumpman? Yes. <gasps> Do you know who Mario's named after? Mario. Okay, so the legend is that Mario was named after a guy who worked in the warehouse. <laughs> Mario, from my research, is named after the landlord of Nintendo's offices in Washington, Mario Siegel. Oh. So, Interesting. Oddly enough, during this episode, there is a... I could... I, if I had known, I would have gotten earlier. There's two books that just came out on the whole history of Nintendo this year. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... 2021 what and i clicked and yeah there's like history of nintendo and then there's like a big history of video games books that both came out this year oh i gotta read that history of video games one uh so according to the research i could do from the research someone had done for this book it's it was named after their landlord for their offices in in Twilia, washington <laughs> Twilia. <laughs> there you yeah, go yeah i know there was like there was like an urban legend that it was like a guy who worked in the warehouse but most the same as like leave like the heaven is like you know these stories just kind of get shared yeah um it, at the end of the day he's named mario in 1983 nintendo opens up in the first section of tokyo stock exchange ha we've made it they also released the famicom in july ha <laughs> the big one the video game market crashes in the united states <laughs> and then the video game market in america crashes immediately <laughs> then nintendo's like all right, and then we'll release in the mirror. Oh, what the fuck is happening oh, over there? Fucking beans. What happened to video <laughs> games over here? Atari, are you okay? Atari's just like crawling out of like a, a ditch in the desert. Like, no, I just got done burying 5 million copies of, of <laughs> E.T. in the desert. Wait, That what? one's not what? an... Wait, oh, you what? Did what? What? Wait. What? You... <laughs> Why did you... What? And then it's... Atari's like, what? No, you what did you... Anything. No, what did you say? <laughs> It's definitely not going to have any um, terrible repercussions for the environment down the road. <laughs> we won't even be around probably when it becomes an issue and a lot of people dig them up and sell them for lots of money. Umera, <laughs> uh, who read one of, who led one of the Nintendo R&D teams, was inspired by the ColecoVision with the Famicom. He's like, we need to make a system that has cartridges you can change out we, we can't just give people one thing and be like this is your only game mm-hmm. uh the famicom would go on to surpass selling sega's sg1000 in 1984 again this is all in japan no one is buying video games in america yeah <laughs> <laughs> video games are just dead in america forever or are they until unless <laughs> unless <laughs> hey brenda That's what nintendo said yeah do you know how long they they made they had production on the famicom Ooh, the Famicom, I feel like, had long, like a long production cycle. So, like, it was released in 1983, and I feel like they probably um, didn't stop until somewhere into the the um, the Super Nintendo. So, I'm gonna say 92. Nintendo made Famicoms and Super Famicoms until May 2003. Jesus, <laughs> you could still, you could still, in the early 2000s, go to Japan and just buy a Famicom at price, like brand new. Oh my, off a shelf in a store off the. Meanwhile, my NES was just like slowly deteriorating. Absolutely, they stopped making the North American NES in 1995. We're, we were all about progress. Absolutely, New. Sonic the Hedgehog is here. <laughs> uh, to protect themselves, Nintendo adopted some guidelines with the Famicom. Mm-hmm. This is because rewinding a little bit, the Game and Watch had massive success. A lot of people made 
knockoff Game & Watches. Yeah. A lot of companies produced them and sold them without Nintendo's consent and never get Nintendo the money. Copyright laws are were very weird around games. Games are mm-hmm. still, like, for kids and don't matter and no one cares. Like, quote-unquote real businessmen are like, that is a fad, just like bell-bottom jeans. Like, I'll invest in it while it's popular and then it'll die and I'll move on to the next thing that kids want to buy. Yeah. So, Nintendo's like, we need someone to protect ourselves. So first off, no Famicom game would be on any other systems within two years of its initial release. Also, mm-hmm. no developer could produce more than five games for the Famicom a year to ensure that they knew, like, who was working on what and not to let themselves get bloated with oversaturation. Yep. So, there's no video game market in America. So the Famicom launch in America was severely slowed down. <laughs> However, it's interesting yep, earlier you brought up Atari. Yes. Did you know Nintendo had a deal for Atari to release what they would call the Nintendo Enhanced Video System by the end of 83 in America? Really? They were going to sign the papers for this at the Consumer Electronics Show. <laughs> See Secret History of New Mysteries episode 49. <laughs> Later that year. But Atari backed out at literally the last minute as they were walking into the meeting. They're going to regret that one. Do you know why they did this, Brenda? Why? Atari saw a version of Donkey Kong running on the ColecoVision home console. And they thought it was better? Or? They thought, no. They thought that this meant Nintendo was doing business with other people. When in actuality, the Donkey Kong game had been originally produced for the ColecoVision. The first yeah, Donkey like Kong home version. game was for the ColecoVision. That came out first. I have that, by the way. I have that game. Um, And Nintendo's deal was like, we made it for the ColecoVision. They can run it if they want. Since it was made for ColecoVision, it can be backwards compatible with your gaming system because their, their Atari stuff was not as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Atari took this as an affront and then Nintendo was working directly and actively with a competitor. So they backed God. out of the, they backed out of the deal entirely. This understanding, <laughs> this yep. misunderstanding sent me on a wild goose chase. I have a bunch of stuff on Atari. The CEO at the time was doing insider trading. Yeah. <laughs> Atari was fucking collapsing upon itself. <laughs> Atari was really fucking going through it. We don't have time for that, though. That's another episode. Nolan Bushnell had already flown the coop and opened his Chuck E. Cheese pizza <laughs> pizza restaurant. <laughs> This motherfucking pizza rat. He's he, he's here again. I was like going through it and I was like, wait, this is the guy. And I clicked and I was like, oh my fucking God. Again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that rat haunts us to this day. <laughs> Do you know in what state the Famicom first came to North America markets, Brenda? Ohio. Oh, I meant, I guess like, ha- like the year, not the state. Yes, but. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, was it 1984? It is 1984. But it's not as in NES. Ohio. It is the Verse system. <laughs> it was a huge success in arcades. It ran. It is essentially a giant arcade machine that had like a Famicom inside it running it. <laughs> 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 that is that is essentially what it was. They made a big arcade machine that you could switch the games in. Like you could like pick different games, and it just had like a little homie chilling out inside of it. Um, oh my god. Every single market analysis was like, you're a fucking idiot, because there are no video games anymore in America. Video games are dead. In 1984, they sold about 20,000 arcade units of the VS system. Nice. And he was like, all right, let's fucking, let's drop the hammer. Um, <laughs> you can have this, 
But in your house. But in your motherfucking house. <laughs> These graphics in your house. Can you believe it? 1986, some <laughs> shots get fired. Hiroshi Yamachi <laughs> quoted as saying, quote, Atari collapsed because they gave too much freedom to third-party developers, and the market was swamped with their rubbish games. Mm-hmm. Get fucked, Atari. <laughs> like, that's literally what did it. It was, like, games just were, like, poor quality. So, like, when people start, like, harping on, like, Nintendo for having, mm-hmm. like, I mean, they have less quality control now. Yes. The eShop is a shit show. Yes. But, you know, before, for a very long time, they had very strict guidelines for, like, third-party developers for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> for a big reason. They, after the deal for Atari failed, um... They had recon- they were reconceiving the idea of the Famicom in North America. It was gonna at mm-hmm. one point it had the name of North of Wow North Nintendo Advanced Video System, which eventually became the NES. Uh, and to keep the software for its console from becoming similarly oversaturated as Atari did with its rubbish games, Nintendo added a lockout system to obstruct unlicensed software from running on the console, thus allowing Nintendo to restrict strict licensing standards. This software nice. all carried the Nintendo seal of quality to communicate the company's approval. I don't know if their games still have that on them because I haven't bought a physical game in forever. I don't think they do anymore. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I haven't bought a bootlegged game for, <laughs> um, for the Switch. Um, so I'm not sure if they still do. I think that they did on the Wii. I think so too. I think that was the last one I remember it being on. Um, yeah. But this was a huge deal. I mean, this was like. This is, I think, before region lockings, I think, because we don't have DVDs, but this is essentially like a region lock. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Consumer Electronics Show, 1985. The NES's first ad appears in, <gasps> consu- in uh, uh, what's the, oh god, I lost the magazine. Oh no. Oh no, I wrote it down. Oh. I, uh, <laughs> I lost the magazine name. It was in a magazine. It was like, the the like tagline was humans evolution is complete and it had like <laughs> an atari playing pong and it had like a ColecoVision playing something and then the nes was like under this like red sheet and it said come <laughs> it said come see it at the consumer electronics show this january 1985 god every single reporter dogpiled on the nes before it was even out they're like this is stupid no one likes games. Video games are dead. Fuck you guys. This is a load of bullshit. <laughs> Businessmen were like, you can't bring your Japanese products to an American system. No one's going to want it. Oof. This is garbage. People were lined up at the show reportedly outside of the venue to test out the NES system. People wanted to try it. In So by the end of 1984, the Famicom, which is not the NES, had sold 2.5 million units. Jeez. The NES in 1985 sold around 90,000 units in New York City alone when it did a test release. Holy shit. Nintendo had gone to sell 1.1 million consoles in 1986. They estimate they could have sold 1.4 million, but they ran out of inventory and could not keep up stock in the year. This would become a reoccurring theme. (laughs) (laughs) You may be familiar with this. Brenda? Yes. Nintendo earned $310 million in sales oh, in 1986. God. Would you like to know how much the video game industry made that year? Because I did the math. How much? $430 million. Nintendo made <laughs> 90% of the money of all video games in America in 1986. Oh my god. And I'm like, $310 million. Like, the NES sold for like $200? Yeah. 
$310 million is a lot of fucking NESs and games, everybody. Truly. In a market that was, like, inhospitable to it. Uh, Nintendo's doing good. Yokoi makes the Game Boy. Everyone at Nintendo thought it would fail. They called it <laughs> like, They called it the hopeless game. <laughs> the hopeless game. Yokoi, no one's going to want to be able to play any game that they want interchangeably on the go. Yeah. They're Dumbass. Like, they're like, this will never work. Uh, Tetris wax poetic to nintendo of america to bundle their game with the game boy in america which is <laughs> and that was which is wild because like i do a, like in my head tetris and nintendo were like one and the same for forever yeah but but they're not we we can't even get into tetris right no, now we can't. <laughs> uh, oh my god it's so much start. the game boy in its first two weeks sold out entirely in japan all three hundred thousand units Ooh. Uh, the Game Boy, when it was released in North America, had the exact same thing happen. Oh my god. <sighs> <sighs> Brenda. Yes. It's 1990, finally. We, we've made it to the 90s. We've made you it and to I the 90s. were almost born. We're almost there. They're working on a Super Famicom. They're working with Sony to make a CD-ROM adapter for the system. But Hiroshi liked working with Philips better, so they made the CDI. Sony would take all their R&D from the CD-ROM for the Super Famicom to make the PlayStation a few years later. <laughs> that's one of my favorite video games. That's story. like, that's like they like gave them all this money to do all this. Like, you know what? We don't want it anymore. And Sony's like, can, can we use it? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> they must have been yeah, sitting like- at that first C3 like, fuck, wait, fuck, shit, fuck. Nintendo handed money to like their Handed. biggest competitor. They funded their biggest competitor. <laughs> and then like the deal fell through with Philips. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, they didn't even like <laughs> didn't end up making the, the system with Philips. They didn't even get the thing. And like they survived it, but like all accounts they should not have survived creating their greatest hey, competitor. Hey, every time you turn on your fucking PS5, you better think Hiroshi Yamachi for, for kicking Sony out of his fucking house. It's pretty much. Nintendo started doing a lot of extra stuff and then events, and they had the Nintendo World Championship. Uh, they started losing sales to the Sega Mega Drive because 16 bits. Uh, they got those bits. They got the bits. R&D 2. Blast processing. But don't worry. R&D 2 comes through with the Super Famicom of 1990. The first <gasps> the first 300,000 units, Brenda, sell out within hours of the market's opening in Japan. Oh my god. They do not even make it through the day. Like the NES before <laughs> it, the following year, Nintendo would bring the, mar- the game to the American market as a Super NES. And war has been declared. Sega get, Sonic the Hedgehog gets up on his little podium and he says, I declare war upon Nintendo. Oh my god, we've done it, everybody. <laughs> I will be bigger and better than you. I am faster than you. My last note. I am stronger. <laughs> <laughs> my last note here is you've done it, Austin. You can stop researching. <laughs> Austin, you've made it. You've conveyed the history of nintendo quite beautifully i like that your sonic voice is i don't know what this is like hamlet what's happening here this is an eloquent hedgehog (laughs) (laughs) a hedgehog of great culture (laughs) jesus christ uh a very interesting very interesting pattern i noticed everybody that i wanted to make special note of going through this whole history Watching videos, going through Nintendo's archives, no, they, you, people do not 
talk about Sega <laughs> until the Mega Drive, really. Yeah. And even that was like, I went to go look up the Mega Drive sales because no one mentioned it. I was like, the Mega Drive is like out, right? Isn't it like outselling them? Isn't that like a huge? Yes. Okay. They just like don't like they mention Atari. They mentioned their beef with Atari from the 86. They mentioned the Magnavox and like it, they used to work together. They just don't mm-hmm. talk. We just simply don't talk about Sega in this house as Nintendo. Yeah. Sega was not. They weren't worried about Sega Fools. for a very long time. <laughs> until it was, they weren't worried until it was too it late. It was too fucking late. Oh my god! Also, that the Consumer Electronics Show drama. Oh my god! These businessmen. You 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 imagine Mr. Atari walks in and looks Hiroshi now. He's like, "Fuck you!" and just leaves. And you're like, "What?" <laughs> All the Nintendo people are just standing there, just like, "I don't know what happened, but maybe this is for the best." Everyone. <laughs> And it turns out it was. So many people through the history of Nintendo, either Nintendo shouldn't have made it, or they must kick, like, oh my, as Atari was crumbling, they must have been like, oh, we really fucked up. The NES is selling really good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, we, I guess we should have jacked up with Nintendo. But in, Atari would, like, fuck with Nintendo a little bit, like, a couple years later. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a fun fact, because I don't think this is ever going to come up. But Atari had a, like, side, like, a, an illegal nintendo entertainment system oh yeah um side business yep. called tanga yeah do we have a tanga box over here then we can stop the- i have to edit this so i'm the one who <laughs> suffers from prolonging this so i think i've got a tanga box over here um i've got super mario brothers millipede in my head tanga is like them mocking the 10 from nintendo which means 10 goo which means illegal gambling was Tango, but Tango is also like a um, flashlight company, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> and do I have this right? Atari Tango. They make eggs, cartridge. technically. They're called Tanga eggs. Yes, technically. Atari Nintendo cartridge. I gotta figure this out and then we can end the podcast. No, you're super okay. I can list other stuff that I didn't, that I like cut out from before. Uh, Tengen. Tengen. I was wrong. Brenda's just really <laughs> horny from that Space Jam trailer. <laughs> oh, Brenda's thing she didn't get to was I text Brenda. It looks like there's a lot of basketball. And Brenda, without missing a beat, doesn't even read what I said. Says, so they want us to fuck the monsters, right? <laughs> it's like, I mean, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't I was just white rifling. My exact words were, let me look this up. Oh, sorry. Right, she, exactly. She's gonna. She's gonna. She's gonna defend herself. Everyone, one second. Yeah. If it's so a you pleases said, the court, Brenda says. So you said a lot of basketball, and then I said, "Oh, I was like, what do you think?" And you were like, "A lot of basketball," which we've previously discussed. And then I said, "Do you also feel the new villains are monster fucker bait?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, yes. I move over, Lola Bunny. Good luck. Uh. <laughs> Oh, in 1989, this is one thing I had. In 1989, uh, from Nintendo's archives, that uh, about 25% of all homes in the U.S. had an NES. I would say, with, you know, have selling, have making $310 million in one year, and the home market made $430 million, that's probably, if anything, underselling it. Truly. Uh, what else? They had some stuff in a store things pop off in 89 as well that's when they started doing like official nintendo merch in the u.s for the Mm. first time that would become the nintendo store Uh, that's when we got nintendo (laughs) power was in 88 
Oh, yeah. Nintendo Power doesn't exist anymore. I used a lot of old Nintendo Power articles for this research. It was a good good magazine. It's a good magazine. Rest in peace. Next week, war has been declared. War has been declared next week. Tune in for the exciting conclusion of console wars. Yeah. Good Jesus Christ. I'm going to take a fucking nap. <laughs> yeah. I need an. Well, you definitely need a nap because you were staying up like so late to do this. Oh, God. Every, hey, everyone. You not, we, I'm not saying we do this for accolades, but I am saying you should praise Brenda and I because we are doing so much for these specials. <laughs> Like, the special kept getting closer and closer, and I was just like, oh, no. Oh, it's coming. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone, it was v- we will see you very daunting. next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. Our music was provided by Esperanza Garay Negron, and you can find their music on Bandcamp at knifenun.bandcamp.com. Our introduction was voiced by Cafe 3G. You can find him under that handle on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is a part of the Nacellecast Podcast Network. You can find us at Nerd Mysteries on Twitter. The show is edited and produced every week by the amazing host Brenda. And as a reminder, please, please, please... If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. Helps you show it a lot. Tell a friend about the show. And until next time, historians, see ya.